If you have ever been curious about Dungeons and Dragons, or the people who play it, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Ready Set Roll Insight, where you will learn how to be a better player and what drew people to the game in the first place. Now, join us for Insight with your host, Daniel Wells. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Ready, Set, Roll, Insight. I am your host, Daniel Wells, and with me today is Patrick from Dice Chronicles. Hello. Howdy, howdy. How you doing? Patrick, oh, I'm doing just fantastic. I've got this combination of vitamin C and the energy-boosting packet of fruit juice. That sounds lovely. I've just got a cup of black coffee. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, my... I've been dealing a lot with uh, fruit flies and stuff like that, and so like I can't keep a regular pot of coffee ready all the time because they'll fly in there and get into the into the coffee, and I'm like, like waste a whole pot. That's lame. Yeah, we have the we have that issue here in in Southern California, especially this time of year. But we have like a, a big metal coffee pot that has this screw on lid that doesn't allow anything in there. Well, it's like the first time I've had to deal with it, so it's like not. prepared for it i should say but uh enough about my coffee issues uh patrick patrick today has been so gracious with offering his time uh to do this interview with me um and uh i'm very happy about that and glad to have you on i'm glad to be on so thanks for uh having me on your show uh, it's always an interesting experience to get new dms and everything and talk to dms but patrick you're from dice chronicles a uh Man, everybody uses different terms. Live play D and D podcast or actual play podcast and stuff like that. It, How would you? Uh, it is an actual play. Uh, it is an actual play podcast, but we try. I mean, there are a lot of actual play podcasts out there. So one of the biggest complaints that I've had when listening to other shows is a lot of downtime, a lot of table talk, a lot of meta gaming that you run into, and it feels more like you're just sitting watching somebody play D&D and then you get that feeling of not being able to be a part of it whereas what we're trying to do with our show is edit down the table talk edit out a lot of the meta gaming as best we can add backing tracks mm-hmm. and ambiance and sound effects so that it feels like more of an, uh, an audio drama or like a radio play an old fashioned sort of you know radio play and I mean that was the, the the goal initially, and to to just tell a good story because that is with my group that's our favorite part of D and D. It's not necessarily just rolling dice and killing monsters. It's telling an interesting story about these these characters that you're invested in. That you you come up with this fanciful idea of what you want this this spell casting so and so to be. And what are the interactions that that person is going to have in the world setting? So, like, uh, you have somebody playing this high, archaic, mystic wizard, but you cut out the parts where they make a dumb joke in the character voice or something like that that kind of betrays their their image a little bit, or...? To a degree, I mean, there there are instances where you need to leave that in. That is part of the person playing that character, and that's going to bleed into the character. So, even if that character is generally super serious, you can you know let them let their hair down mm-hmm. and 
be playful and have fun because that's what the game is all about is having fun it's just we try to make sure that we are telling an interesting story so speaking of interesting stories let's get uh, to the backstory of patrick um and your tabletop experience where it all began for for you um i had heard about dungeons and dragons for a very long time i've always been a little bit nerdy I love video games as a kid. I, I, I collect comic books. Um, and I had I had started doing stand-up comedy for a couple years, just doing open mics, and I was, like, obsessed with a lot of comics. Um, so I stumbled across my first D&D experience watching, uh, I believe it was called Force Grey, which Matthew Mercer of Critical Role was the Dungeon Master, oh, and Chris yeah. Hardwick, who I was really into his comedy back in, in uh, it was about four years ago now. Um, I was really into his comedy, and I was watching some bowling videos that led me to Force Gray with a bunch <laughs> of other like really great actors, and I I was watching this this one episode. And just kind of enamored by the way they were setting up the the introductions to these different characters. And then it all of a sudden dawned on me. I said, is this Dungeons and Dragons? <laughs> and from there on, um, I was like, I have to play this. I have to try this. And I didn't know a single person that played. So I went out and bought the starter kit. And I was going to build my own group. And I said, well, somebody has to be the Dungeon Master. And I don't know anybody that even plays. So I guess that's me. And I, I kind of just assumed the Dungeon Master role, and uh, I have a little bit of a control problem, so it kind of fits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it, is, that's always the case, though, isn't it? It's like, man, I want to get people to play. I want to start. Well, I guess I'm GM. It's, yeah. It's how it is. <laughs> it can definitely be that way. Um, I'm, the, I'm the one who introduced it. And then... Through some friends I'd met doing stand-up, uh, I saw a Facebook post about a local brewery uh, in my area that is very nerd-centric. It's called Battle Mage Brewing uh, in Vista, California, and all of their beers are named like fantasy or video game-based things. Like When I was still drinking, the IPA that I loved from there was called Hop Dukin. So it was a great Street Fighter <laughs> reference. There's magic cards all over the wall. And a buddy of mine posted something about this is what we're doing at the brewery. And they were playing Dungeons and Dragons. And that was like one of my first real experiences playing. And it was, you know, maybe two hours long. We didn't really do anything. But I got my feet wet. And I have become mildly obsessed with uh, tabletop role playing and, and storytelling. Um, I've always been into storytelling and reading, but this was this was a different experience because when you're reading a book, it's very one-sided. You know, you have that. I don't know if everybody has this, but when I read a book, it's like watching a movie in my head, and I I'm very into voices and voice acting, so I I give all the characters different voices, and it's. I mean, I, I love animation too, so voice acting is great. And then now creating a D&D show after I've finally found a group that I just love playing with and they're all committed to creating their characters and telling their story, um, we've finally kind of hit our stride. And uh, yeah, I don't think that... I don't think anybody that has the opportunity to play Dungeons & Dragons if you're into storytelling and, and being that collaborative part. Because... 
getting back to what I was saying, that's the different part about D and D and and that version of storytelling is it's it's collaborative. You're working with other people to where like as the dungeon master, I get to set up guidelines and then whatever the characters do is up to them. And then there are consequences to those choices and it's constantly evolving. It's this improvisation uh, married with the, the written material. It's it's just a really rich experience that I, I haven't been able to get anywhere else. So has your stand-up comedy and improvisation abilities uh, really helped you out as being a GM and getting into Dungeons & Dragons? Absolutely. Like for setting up stories. Absolutely. Um, not so much the comedy part. I mean, it does help to... to I mean, I've, I'd, I'd only done open mics for about two and a half years. And there were situations where during that time I'd go and do like a 15-minute feature on somebody's show. And all of their friends are there. They're drunk. Because that's what you run into at a comedy show. Mm-hmm. And they want to be part of the show. And they're talking at you when you're on stage. And they're like, oh, I remember this and blah, blah, blah. And it's just you have to be quick-witted. Otherwise, if you allow that person to continue to talk, they're going to outshine you. And you're going to lose your audience. So you have to kind of be able to say something quick and witty and shut them down. So that they're like, okay, I don't want to talk anymore. Let this guy do his thing. So to a degree that has helped, but like I said, in, in the D&D experience, it is collaborative. So you want to allow the other people that you're playing with to add to your story, to create different points of interest. So how did this lead into a podcast for you? Uh, I had started a podcast, God, it's got to be six years ago now, where... Um, I was just doing nerd-centric stuff about comic books and superheroes, and it, it was just talking about things that I was interested in. And then I have some minor OCD, so finding D&D, like, really, it, my brain hooked into it and was like, okay, so I guess that's what the podcast is going to be now. And I had originally started a, a group with, um, going back to that, that brewery, we started a community Dungeons and Dragons game that was like five tables, five to six players at each table, all telling this overarching uh, story where each table was like a different mission in this war and there was like a battle going on and we would have people showing up two nights a week at this brewery signing up for missions and I was one of the DMs initially. And so I got a bunch of the, the other Dungeon Masters to come and hang out at my house so that they could play rather than running games and we just started recording it and it it was a lot of fun and we we were doing a horde of the dragon queen and that that show was uh it was called geek sauce and it had taken many different iterations but like you experience when you're playing dungeons and dragons it's uh it's scheduling that's the biggest pitfall in playing that game. Everybody has a life. Everybody has other things they need to do. So we were kind of getting spread too thin, and a lot of the players decided they needed to stop. So I ended up moving on, and then I felt like at one point it was just time to to let that go. And I got a few of the players that I had run games for at Battle Mage to jump on the original three players in dice chronicles are kevin dylan and cody and i had run a game for them at battle mage 
and we had a ton of fun. There was good chemistry between us. Like they were really into the role playing part more so than just rolling dice. And I had asked them to join, and then we got Liz and Charlotte now on the show. So we've got this this five player group with myself included, um, and we just we like to have fun. <laughs> we try to meet every every two weeks, record a few episodes, get them edited, and then put up and. Um, we're having a lot of fun with it and we're, I think we're telling a story that people are enjoying because we're getting downloads and it's, it's not us that's doing it. So it's, it's pretty cool. I, I listened to the first episode cause I, you know, I like to listen to the podcast before I interview the person and gotta say audio quality, crisp, really li- easy to listen to. None of that like, um, static that you get from a first time podcast group, right? Which, you, since you've had experience with one podcast, I think that really probably transferred over to you, at least for the beginning sections and everything. Um, yeah, that and then uh, that first episode, okay. we were actually recording in my house, just sitting around my my dining room table, just the four of us. And the first two sessions we did were like that, and then a friend of mine and my wife's, uh, wonderful audio engineer Walter. Uh, Walter Lightmeyer, uh, he has great recording equipment and he has all kinds of soundproofing stuff. And he said, he called me and said, Hey, I want to record and edit your show for you because I want to use it as a potential, you know, check on my resume. And so nine months ago now that happened and we've just, we've gone over to his house and we record there. And we get to leave everything set up. It's not like we have to break it down every every episode. And he's just – he's wonderful at what he does because I don't know all of the technical aspects of audio engineering, but he does. And he takes care of that for me now. So even though he's gotten super busy and I've had to revert back to doing some editing now, which is why our newest episode is late because of me. <laughs> um and he's, we were still going over there and recording, so we still have that nice crisp audio quality. If you, I don't know if you've listened to anything past the first episode, but there is a significant jump in the background noise and like everything just disappears, and it sounds like studio quality after episode five. I think I'm really impressed with how well Walter has hand, handled our show. Well, I've been needing a new podcast to listen to. Um... Because one of the podcasts I was listening to lost like one of their main core group, and he was like the comedy guy, like the 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 foil to all the straight men of the group, right? You, the sh- straight shooters. You need that, and for it's sure. like <laughs> it it hurts now to listen to because it's all a bunch of brooding, serious characters who have a mission to go on. <laughs> and I'm like, oh no, we definitely have. So I'm some... probably gonna. We definitely have some episodes in our show that are are more serious and brooding, and we've also got a. I mean, especially since Charlotte joined, she is just a, a goofball, and she she comes up with some pretty pretty funny jokes that she'll she'll pepper in. Everybody on the show I've is pretty funny. Uh, I've appreciated the character Bilbin a lot. Oh, you know what's uh, really interesting about Bilbin? Uh, he's our little uh, gnomish artificer. And when Cody started doing that voice, I immediately thought to myself, I am going to kill this character as quickly as possible to get rid of him. Now <laughs> I cannot imagine our show without him. 
I love the voice so much. It's, it's just so nasally and it's it's really funny because that's not far off from Cody's actual voice. It's just a it's pitched up a little bit more in the front of his his mouth when he does it. Um so not to get into like not to spoil anything, but as far as like the story goes and everything, um world building, how much of your character's backstories has played into the world building and um the story so far? for you there has been a little bit that has been addressed uh we've spent like we're calling the first year i guess season one uh some of the guys on mm -hmm. the show have, have suggested we do that and there have been some situations where kevin or or dylan have requested that certain aspects of what they have in mind for their backstory for their characters be be brought in but it's been pretty minimal at this point. I, I think Kevin, uh, who plays Henri, he's a, a Warforged bard. He has probably had the most backstory development um, because he, being a Warforged in the world that we've built, the city of Presidium, which is um, a, a post-apocalyptic high magic fantasy setting that it's a city underneath of a dome, and the the civilians of the city are made clear that everything outside of the dome is irradiated and just a wasteland. So everything is focused primarily in the city and then the little bits of, of land that are outside of the city proper. Kevin had requested that his backstory be that he is from the time where that war was happening. And so he went into an inactive state for uh, several years, hundreds of years, and then was reactivated by a character that I've been trying to introduce into the show for 20 episodes. But the players are like, oh, we're going to go do this. We're going to do that. I'm like, all right, back pocket. <laughs> save that for yep. later. <laughs> um, so as far as what's written, we have I have an idea of what I want the story to, to be and certain things that I want to reveal as they get further along. Um, but... They've just been trying to figure out what they're going to do. They've, they've, the three original characters of the show all are connected by an orphanage. And the show opens with the, the master of the orphanage being executed. So it's, it's pretty dark the way it starts, but then it, it gets real silly real fast. Let, let me say that, um, my first thoughts whenever I was listening to like the first 10 minutes of the first episode, I was like, Holy crap, that ex escalated quickly. Yeah, it oh really does. What do you mean? <laughs> Why is this happening? Oh my god. Yeah, I wanted to put like real, like, serious consequences consequences and stakes, like, right off the bat. To kind of set mm -hmm. the stage for what could happen later. You, you did a very solid job on that. I, I can congratulate you on that. It's oh, like, thank you. Wow, I'm, I'm hooked now. All right, what's happening next? Let's That's awesome. Going. Uh Let's see. I'm trying to think of one more question. Uh, favorite? Um, eh, no, that's that's too specific. Of favorite character so far and whatnot. Um, favorite um, favorite moment that your players have gotten, like like that made you proud as a DM. Oh man, there there are at least two. Um, one of them happened just this last recording session so that episode hasn't even gone up yet but mm. there is 
this situation where Charlotte's character, uh, Hela, who is an elven rogue who they meet during a mission. She's she's a thief, and she's working for this organization that you might find out about in, in the story of, of our show. And she has this, this sort of lore dump for her character where um, Bilbin, our little artificer gnome, has a, a steel defender robot named Clamps who has a big clamp hand on one of his one of his arms and he doesn't have a voice box so he's been this like this companion to the group that isn't allowed to talk but has very animated sort of mannerisms and behaviors in certain situations hello was on watch just recently and was kind of revealing some very interesting things about herself and her past and why she's there and so it's her sitting at night on a farm on watch talking to this little robot and the the delivery that she did was i thought it was great and it really like it really kind of tugged at my heartstrings and i was like god i feel i feel for this character now um and then the other one that was one of my favorite things was the guys end up in before they meet the 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 female characters of the, of the show they ended up in the Feywild for a short little jaunt, and they go into this mine uh, that these gnomes had been, you know, forced out of because of a dragon. And they come across a, a Fomorian giant that is laying on the ground, tied up, and there is like a this gelatinous, not a cube, but like a slime that's creeping towards his feet. And I asked the guys off mic i said hey what does this character sound like what what voice because I, I love to do voices so they i asked them what voice do you want this this fomorian giant to have and they said just do christopher walken so none of the characters <laughs> spoke giant so i had to do a christopher walken impression that they couldn't understand anything he said so I just made him say, wow, crazy, yeah. And that was all of the giant speak. So now Bilbin has gone and like tried to get a book where he can teach himself how to speak giant so he can go back and talk to this this giant named Tovog. Oh <laughs> it's pretty ridiculous, but it was just so much fun to have to act with your voice but not be able to really say anything. It was a really strange sort of situation to be in. Last question for you. Um, well, I've actually got a couple more, but this question kind of is also important. Rules of the game. How much of a stickler for them are you? I'm, I'm kind of sometimes rule of cool it, you know? If it seems really cool, we'll let it happen. Just... Like, no th shot putting a rock to the moon, but, like, you're wanting to convert an entire church to your religion, and you set the church on fire for the persuasion check. Sure, go ahead. <laughs> I mean, that's more an intimidation check, before. in my in my opinion. This, this has happened before to me. I'm okay. Like, this is kind of a wild card. Um, yeah, so, but... I, I think that the rules are important to the game, but can also get in the way if you allow them to. So I will also rule of cool it uh, to a degree. Like if if there's a very specific wording in a spell and a character 
is trying to basically extend the ability of it, I will try to stay more in like, okay, this, we kind of need to, you, if, if you're going to try that, w explain to me or convince me why that would work and then we'll see if that's cool. So I, I've, I've only been playing D&D &D for like four years now or five years. So I'm not a rules lawyer. I don't know every single rule. There's, there's a ton of books and material to pull from. I constantly use monsters wrong. Like, our <laughs> players fought a mummy lord, and I used hold monster on that, and NPC did that. That's not even allowed, according to the stats of a mummy lord. But we rolled with it, and I ate crow the next episode and said, hey, I'm a big dummy. I screwed up. But we told our story, whatever. So, I mean, I like I like having the, the, the rules more as, like, a guideline. Hmm. Well, like it, it is called rules, rules lawyer for a reason. You're trying to convince the DM, aka the judge in this case, uh, what you're trying to do. And then I'm like, okay, you've read the character. You know the character's abilities. I'm not going to have time to remember every ability your character has because I've got to worry about NPCs, the monsters, and the story. I rely on the player to kind of give me the character feedback, right? To refresh my brain. And sometimes players adv take advantage of that. Sometimes players just forget their own abilities and it gets them killed. Like, uh, I had a buddy who was playing an arcane trickster rogue and he didn't realize he was supposed to have spells. Oh, wow. Even though that's like a part of the subclass. So we did like a 200 foot fall and he could have had feather fall to save our lives. Oh, man. Uh, we all live, though, luckily. Um, we fashion t-shirts and the parachutes but uh hey that's pretty good that's uh it's quick like, thinking it's just just forgetting stuff like that and everything it just happens it, it's a thing that happens but sometimes you gotta just ask the characters make sure you guys read your spells and stuff you know especially this one spell you've kept casting don't forget about it like three sessions down the line oh i can still do this yeah or something like that our bard our warforged bard is a uh, a sword bard so mm -hmm. he has these flourishes that he's allowed to do. And for a few episodes or a few sessions, he was doubling up on them and we were just rolling with it until I read through it and was like, hey, these don't stack, dude. You can't use all of these. And <laughs> he has adjusted and been like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. That's fair. <laughs> so we, as our group has, has been kind of cemented in telling our story, um, we trust each other and mm -hmm. we... We're fairly responsible for the choices that we make, and I have the luxury of my players being really cool about me telling them, hey, no, that, that wouldn't work. I don't think that that's appropriate in this situation. And they'll go, oh, okay, cool. And then they'll roll through it. I haven't gotten anybody get really mad or be like, well, why couldn't I do that? It's just they understand that I'm... And I'm also the type of DM that's not really out to kill my players every time. I like mm -hmm. that we can tell this story together. So I'll let... I mean, I've, I've tried to kill them a couple times, let's be honest. I'm just not good at it. <laughs> well, um, you also just don't want to keep on telling your players no, 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 no. Because if you do that, they just kind of get fed up with your, with your bullshit. Yeah. It's like... <laughs> but... Like, letting them get away with everything from here to, like, Mantucket. 
it's not gonna really resolve anything. It's just gonna get them killed, probably, in the game. Because then you're gonna be like, alright, I'm done with your shenanigans now. It's a give and take. It's always a give and take. Yeah. And as long as, you know, that's, I think, one of the most important parts of starting to play D&D or, or getting into a group that is playing long-term um, is trusting your DM and the players in your party and allowing them to live in the choices that they make. Like, I know a lot of people during a game will sit and say, oh, we should try this, and then there will be a discussion, and then you get you fall into that, that metagaming space, which can kind of overpower the storytelling aspect of it because you know you you start looking at it more like a video game instead of like this experience that is constantly happening and changing around you so what we've tried to adopt when we're recording now is when i say hey there's a guard outside this place you guys are all hiding inside you have 10 seconds to react Stop talking. What are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? And just go through each one and they all make their choices and then they all have to live in that space and deal with whatever comes after that. And I think that that really creates this this palpable sort of anxiety and energy that, that you can play in and really have a lot of fun. And having like that adrenaline boost of, oh, I gotta do it now. This! I'm doing this! Yes. Less, less... Final answer. Exactly. <laughs> you don't get like six minutes on a game show to answer Steve Harvey. What's one of the number one answers on Family Feud? You get like that 10 seconds. Exactly. It's like, here's what's happening. What are you doing? You don't get to talk to anybody. You literally have to make this decision in a split second. One more question. Uh, and I've now found this as a very important question going down the line. Barbarians' resistances. Do magical weapons cut through that? Um, so, like, Barbarian has resistance to bludgeoning, piercing, slashing, but it doesn't specify magical or non-magical. How do you rule it? Well, I have not had to deal with that very often. <laughs> uh, we do have a barbarian in our party, but he is a wild soul barbarian. So mm -hmm. he's that special kind of barbarian that has a little bit of magic in him anyway. Um, and we've expanded the, the magic surge chart for when he goes into his rage. So he has like extra crazy shit that'll happen, <laughs> which is one of my favorite classes to play when I get to play is uh, Wild Magic Sorceress because they're just mm -hmm. fun. There's just enough chaos and you could accidentally kill yourself at any moment, <laughs> which I love. <laughs> but for our Barbarian, um, I would generally not focus so much. Uh, they haven't, in, in our situation, they haven't fought creatures with magic weapons yet. So I that's something that I'll have to decide when that, when that comes around. But... As far as dealing with his resistances, I've just tried to put in monsters that have different types of damage types. You know, I'll, I'll get one that's all mental damage or all, um, what's the, the I can't, I'm can't, it's escaping me right now. 
there's psychic force yeah force lightning all of that sort of stuff just not the not the three that he's covered by and then we're good (laughs) (laughs) and that's cool that you expanded his wild magic chart by the way because that's a complaint i hear a lot about the barbarian wild soul is like it's such a small chart yeah we found like a d8 we found one that has 20 uh different options so we printed that out and we keep it at the table so i just make him i'm like hey you raged let me see that d20 roll dude and uh recently bought a bunch of dice and it's just this massive d20 came with it i'm like what the that's perfect that's perfect for a wild surge yeah Well, um, we are actually at the end of time. Okay. It's already been half an hour. (laughs) Well, that was quick. (laughs) Uh, And with that, I go into the bit of what makes Inside kind of its own thing, is me and my guests give a piece of Inside for you listeners to take forward and carry on to their next game or even something in their own life that they're looking at. Um, Would you like to start or would you like me to go ahead and You go ahead. Um, if you feel like something is limiting a player's fun, um, find a workaround, uh, restrictions, restrictions are sometimes there, you know, to, um, not destroy balance or something like that. But like say in the case of the wild soul barbarian, they only have like these eight options that they get for their chart. So like Patrick did expanding it to that 20 options. Let's the player have a lot more fun, introduce a little more chaos, and just all around increases everybody's good time. And that is my piece of insight. My piece of insight would be when you're creating a character, try not to look at the end game of what that character will be. You know, when you are expecting to, you know, to hopefully get to level 20 to be a god in the D world try and create a realistic reason and method of thinking for that character to try and um it's it's like an acting exercise that i had taken when i was in college years ago was when you're creating this character think about the motivations that this person because that's what you're doing you're creating a, a role uh a person that lives in this world and it's it could be a science fiction world it could be a fantasy world but whatever decisions that character is going to make are going to be based on experiences they've had prior to your gameplay so that's one of the most important parts for me as a dungeon master is to listen to my players and the history of where these characters came from and try and blend that into the world around them and make the choices that they're going to make based on their history make sense for the world that you're building and the story you're telling. Because I, I feel like that gives you a richer, more enjoyable experience when you feel like, yeah, this is complete nonsense and fantasy, but that person, I feel like they could be real if this were an actual world or place. Well, that was a great piece of insight. Thank you, Patrick. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> and with that, uh, our show will be coming to an end. Patrick, got any plugs you want to plug in? I would love it if your listeners would check out our show and give us a chance uh, again. 
our show is called Dice Chronicles. Um, we are available for download. Our hosting site is Podbean, but you can get the show anywhere you listen to podcasts. Um, we love to do silly voices, and it really scratches that performance itch that I, I have in me to be a voice actor and play around with sound. Because a lot of times we get lost in the everyday, you know, mundanity, or I don't know if that's a word even, um, <laughs> the monotony of every day and escaping to this fantasy world with some friends of mine and getting to, to do silly voices every now and again, it really brings me some peace of mind. <laughs> so check out our show because I think you'll have fun because we have a lot of fun. And as per usual, all those links will be in the show notes located below uh, on the episode. And as always, thank you all so very much for listening to Ready, Set, Roll, Insight, and have a wonderful day. See you later.